You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome to Wise Guys, These Guys Know Sports here live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody remember, go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. It is Tuesday, November the 22nd. You in the house with your boy Trey Larkin is on the Worldwide Sports Network on the Wise Guys podcast. Thank you for tuning in tonight. NFL Week 11 has surpassed us, and we are on to NFL Week 12. Come on in and sit a while, folks. I got an action, jam-packed show tonight. So many things to discuss on tonight's show. A lot of NFL I'm going to get into. I'm going to get into Zach Wilson's comments after the Jets. 10-3 to three loss to the New England Patriots Sunday afternoon in Foxborough. Also, later on in the show, I'm going to recap Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs 30-27 to 27 win over the L.A. Chargers in L.A. So another AFC West win for the Kansas City Chiefs. They improved to 8-2 and two on the season. Also, later on in the show, I'm going to preview our Thanksgiving football games. We got some big-time matchups on Thanksgiving this year, ladies and gentlemen. First matchup, we got the Bills, Lions in Detroit, and then we got an NFC East battle between the Giants and the Cowboys, and then the nightcap. We got the Patriots and the Vikings on NBC. It's going to be a lot of turkey eating on Thanksgiving. This is the Thanksgiving edition on Wise Guys. Enjoy the show tonight. Call into the show, 513-203-8655, 513-203-8655. If you want to debate or discuss 
a certain topic on the show tonight. But we begin in the NFL in Minnesota as the Dallas Cowboys beat the Minnesota Vikings 40-3. to And the game honestly wasn't even that close, ladies and gentlemen. For the Cowboys, Dak Prescott, he went 22 of 25. He threw for 276 passing yards, two touchdowns. Tony Pollard had a great performance. He had six receptions, 109 receiving yards, two touchdowns. For the Vikings, Kirk Cousins went 12 of 23. He threw for 105 passing yards. This was the largest road win in franchise history for the Cowboys. This was the second worst home loss for the Minnesota Vikings in their franchise history. So as I began the show tonight and I discussed this matchup between the Cowboys and the Vikings, honestly, it was a beatdown that took place in Minnesota Sunday afternoon. It was a complete annihilation in Minnesota Sunday, and the Minnesota Vikings got completely outplayed in this game. In every phase of the game, the Dallas Cowboys dominated the Minnesota Vikings. It was a mismatch. And it's the second time this year where in a primetime matchup, the Minnesota Vikings have put together a very underwhelming performance. This was a pathetic performance by the Minnesota Vikings. They should be ashamed to show their faces in the city of Minnesota this week. That's how bad the Vikings were in this game. The Cowboys, they got out to a 23-3 lead at half, and I'm looking, I'm watching the Bengals-Steelers game, and I'm seeing the Cowboys put together drive after drive after drive against that Vikings defense that had no answers for the Cowboys offense in this game. Offensively, the Cowboys, they had a balanced attack. They had 307 passing yards, 151 rushing yards between Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott. And that Vikings defense had no answers for that Cowboys offense. The Cowboys... They converted on 12 of 17 third down plays. So the Cowboys dominated this game in every statistical category. And Dak Prescott significantly outplayed Kirk Cousins because coming into the matchup, I said that Kirk Cousins and Dak Prescott were on the same level. I think they're the same level caliber quarterback. They both have like one playoff win. They both can put up stats in regular season performances, but they always, at the most inopportune times, when you need them to perform at their best, Dak Prescott and Kirk Cousins has underperformed when the lights are at his brightest. But in this game, I believe the Cowboys, they were motivated, they were fresh off a performance against the Green Bay Packers, where they gave up a 14-point lead. And remember, going into the fourth quarter against the Packers, the Cowboys were beating the Packers 28-14. to And before that loss to the Packers, going into the fourth quarter with a 14-point lead or more, the Dallas Cowboys were 195-0. So I think the Cowboys were motivated all week because they heard the doubters 
talk about the Cowboys and not being a true contender in the NFC because they gave up a 14-point lead to the Green Bay Packers, and we've seen the Packers' struggles so far this season. So it, it was a bad taste in the Cowboys' mouths all week, and they showed it in this game. They, they showed it, and they put on a sensational performance. And honestly, I believe that with them being able to run the football and being able to stop the run, that's a recipe for success for the Dallas Cowboys. They had 151 rushing yards, but they held the Vikings to only 73 rushing yards. Now, I think Dalvin Cook is big time. I think he's very underrated as a running back, but the Dallas Cowboys front did a great job against that Vikings offense. The Cowboys defensively, they had seven sacks against Kirk Cousins, something that has never happened before. That, that Kirk Cousins has never been sacked seven times. They got to him seven times in this game. So that Dallas Cowboys front featuring Micah Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence, Jonathan Haskins, Dorrance Armstrong, they got after the Vikings offensive line in this game. They really, really did. But, like, I can't say enough about the job that the Cowboys did. They, they had a, a sensational performance. You look at Micah Parsons in this game. Micah Parsons, he had 10 pressures. His pressure percentage was 37%, two sacks, and one forced fumble. So Micah Parsons was dominant in this game, and he showed why he is universally recognized as one of the best defensive players in the NFL. So Micah Parsons and that Cowboys defense did a number on Kirk Cousins and that Vikings offense. Now, when you look at the Cowboys offensively, and their running backs, Tony Pollard, Ezekiel Elliott. Tony Pollard had 15 carries, 80 rushing yards. He averaged 5.3 yards per carry. Ezekiel Elliott, 15 carries, 42 rushing yards, 2.8 yards per carry, two touchdowns. It's clear that Tony Pollard is the number one running back in Dallas. It is no longer Ezekiel Elliott. A lot of my family and my cousins – it's on the on my on my live right here right now. They they, they comment on my live. Fifteen, TJ on here. John, listen, these are all my cousins on here. They don't hear messing with me because the Packers are having a disappointing season, and the Vikings finally are about to win the NFC North. Finally, I, it took the Vikings long enough. It took them long enough. They finally about to win the NFC North. But I won't get off. I won't get off topic. Also, I want to say this about the Vikings because. You look at the Vikings so far this year. The Vikings, they have a minus two point differential this season. They're the first team to be eight and two or better through the first 10 games and have a negative point differential. They're minus two this year. And you look at their games so far this year. Week one, they blew out the Packers 23 to seven in Minnesota. Week two, on Monday night football in primetime, they got beat down by the Philadelphia Eagles, 24-7. They barely beat the Detroit Lions in week three, 28-24. Week four, they barely beat the Saints, 28-25. They beat the Bears in week five, 29-22. Week six, they beat the Miami Dolphins without Tua in that game. And Teddy Bridgewater was not 100%. Week seven, they had a bye week. Week eight. They beat the Arizona Cardinals, but the Arizona Cardinals are not having a good season. 
Week nine, they had to come from behind to beat the commanders. They beat the commanders 20 to 17. Now, I was impressed with their performance against the Bills because they were down 17 points to the Buffalo Bills, and they beat the Bills 33 to 30. But I've said all season long, I'm not a believer in the Minnesota Vikings. I am not a believer in Kirk Cousins. If you want to troll me because the Packers are having a bad season, that's fine. But don't come to me and pretend like the Vikings are some juggernaut. There are other teams in the NFC that I trust over the Minnesota Vikings. I trust the Tampa Bay Buccaneers over the Minnesota Vikings. I trust the Philadelphia Eagles over the Minnesota Vikings. I trust the San Francisco 49ers over the Minnesota Vikings. Stop trying to pretend like the Vikings are some juggernaut because the Packers are having a rough season. Like, people crazy, man. People like to troll the Packers and troll me because I always trash talk these opposing fan bases because they never sniffed a Super Bowl win in their franchise history. And that's the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings have never won a Super Bowl. Now, again, they have a great team. I like I like Justin Jefferson. I think Justin Jefferson is the best receiver in the NFL this year. I like Adam Thielen. I think Adam Thielen is the second best receiver that's a number two in the NFL. I like Dalvin Cook as their running back. I like the acquisition of Hawkinson at the trading deadline. But I don't believe that the Vikings are some juggernaut and there are they are a true contender in the NFC. I don't. I think they can be an easy first-round exit. It was a dominating performance by the Cowboys over the Vikings. And honestly, I think it's a great thing for the Vikings because they have a quick turnaround. They have the New England Patriots coming into town on Thanksgiving. It's the nightcap. So they get a chance to have a bounce-back performance against the New England Patriots. But this was, this was a very, very underwhelming performance for them. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at Wise Guys. Go away. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Coming at the break, I'm going to recap Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs come from behind, win over the L.A. Chargers. I'll be right back. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.
And welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports here live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody remember, go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore WH. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Be sure to follow Wise Guys at Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Call to the show, 513-203-8655, 513-203-8655. There's some people in my comments that believe I am a hater. But if you believe that the Minnesota Vikings are true Super Bowl contenders, call to the show. We can talk about it. Any Vikings fans out there who would love to call into the show tonight, call into Wise Guys because we can talk about it. I don't believe in the Vikings, and they got nothing to do with the Packers. Packers having a down year. We're having a down year this year. The last 30 years, the Packers, 26 of those 30 years, have had a winning record as a football team. We can have one rough year. We can have one rough year. The, pro the You know what it really is? People are so used to seeing Aaron Rodgers and the Packers be contenders. Y'all are as shocked as I am. Everybody's shocked that the Packers are struggling the way that they are this year. And I am as well. I am too. We ain't used to seeing this. So. You know, I, I, again, like I said, I don't think the Vikings are contenders in the NFC. I think they are playoff contenders, but not Super Bowl contenders. But let's transition to the AFC and the AFC West as Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. They get it done again against the L.A. Chargers. The Chiefs beat the Chargers 30 to 27. Patrick Mahomes put on a great performance. He went 20 of 34. He threw for 329 passing yards, three touchdowns. Travis Kelsey had a sensational performance, six receptions, 115 receiving yards, three touchdowns for the Chargers. Justin Herbert, he went 23 of 30. He threw for 280 passing yards, two touchdowns, one interception. So as I watch this game, Sunday night in L.A., as I watch this game, Honestly, my biggest takeaway from this game is Patrick Mahomes is the NFL MVP. So far this season, Patrick Mahomes, he got 28 touchdowns, seven interceptions, 3,265 passing yards. He's completing 66% of his passes. Right now, he is the NFL MVP. I love the way Tua has the Miami Dolphins playing right now, being a top three seed in the AFC. They are leading the standings in the AFC East. I like the way the Dolphins are playing, but Tua is not on Patrick Mahomes' level. I like the way Jalen Hurts is playing right now with the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles have one loss this season, and Jalen Hurts has elevated his game. But neither Jalen Hurts nor Tua Tagovailoa are on Patrick Mahomes' level. And when Justin Herbert scored that go-ahead touchdown that put the Chargers up 27-23, to 23, and it was like, oh, like a minute and 40 left in the game, I immediately thought to myself, he left Mahomes too much time. I don't know what the betting odds were when my, when Herbert scored that go-ahead touchdown, but I guarantee that Vegas still had the Chiefs' favorite to win that game, and Patrick Mahomes marched the Chiefs 
right down the field, and they scored a go-ahead touchdown, and they beat the L.A. Chargers again. How many times have we witnessed the Chargers be in prime position to beat the Chiefs? Like, Justin Herbert, if he's out and he sees Patrick Mahomes, he cannot throw any dirt on Patrick Mahomes' name because Patrick Mahomes owns Justin Herbert. And I love Justin Herbert. I love Herbert. Herbert has tremendous upside. He has great arm strength as a quarterback. And, you know, so far this season, Herbert has been decent but not good or great. He got 16 touchdowns, seven interceptions, over 2,700 passing yards. But Herbert cannot beat Patrick Mahomes. He can't. And I, and, I, and I like Herbert. I like that Chargers offense. I really, really do. You look at this game, the Chargers, they had over 110 rushing yards, 365 total yards of offense. And I like the way that they played in this game. They put themselves in a position to upset the Chiefs. Austin Ekelar had 19 carries for 83 rushing yards. Averaged over four yards per carry. This receiver, Joshua Palmer, he had eight receptions, 106 receiving yards, two touchdowns. Keenan Allen got back in the mix, five receptions, 94 receiving yards. But it just seems as if no matter how good the Chargers play, you just know the Chiefs are going to be at their greatest when it is required. And it happens every time they play each other. The Chiefs never blow out the Chargers. But the Chargers cannot get over that hunt at being able to beat the Chiefs. And so coming into the season, this was what happened in the AFC West. And shout out to Kent Swanson on Twitter. He posted this on Twitter in the immediate aftermath of the Chiefs beating the Chargers. He said the AFC West spent a billion dollars to stop the Chiefs, and it's over for them before Thanksgiving. The Chargers, Raiders, Broncos are done in the AFC West. It is the Chiefs' division. They own the division. Chargers can fight for a wild card, but their chances at winning the AFC West are officially over. And you look at some of these moves in the AFC West that were made by other teams to try to beat the Chiefs. The Raiders, they acquired Devontae Adams. They acquired Chandler Jones. We see how awful their season has been. The Chargers, they traded for the Mac Daddy himself, Khalil Mack. J.C. Jackson, they signed him in free agency. They lost both games to the Chiefs. The Broncos, they traded for Russell Wilson and Randy Gregory. And the Broncos are three and seven, and they have been nothing short of pathetic. So the Chiefs own the AFC West. Patrick Mahomes owns the AFC West, and Patrick Mahomes is the NFL MVP. He's the MVP. Got to give, give him props. But I love the way Travis Kelsey played in this game. Travis Kelsey had six receptions, 115 receiving yards, Three touchdowns. Travis Kelsey is the best tight end in the NFL. I love George Kittle. 
George Kittle is a tremendous player for the 49ers. He's great in the running game because he can also block opposing defenders. But I think Travis Kelsey is the best tight end in the NFL. I love Andy Reid as a play caller. Him and Eric B are two great play callers. And honestly, even without Tyreek Hill, Patrick Mahomes is still playing at a high level. He's playing at a high level. And when you look at the AFC, we have to be honest about it. Are you taking the Chiefs or are you taking the field? And right now, I would consider the Chiefs the favorites in the AFC. I look at the Buffalo Bills. Even though the Bills beat the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes is better than Josh Allen. I look at the Ravens with Lamar Jackson. I don't know if Lamar Jackson can be a consistent pocket passer for the Ravens to win meaningful playoff games. That's my biggest question about the Ravens. Also, I don't know if the Ravens have enough weapons to compete against the Bills or the Chiefs in a playoff matchup. Chargers, Justin Herbert hasn't gotten the Chargers to the playoffs yet, so he doesn't even know what the playoffs are about. The Bengals, if they can get Jamar Chase back and he's healthy, the Bengals are definitely a sleeper in the AFC. They're a sleeper. People are not really talking about the Bengals enough, and I'll be honest, last year it was the same exact thing with the Bengals midway through the season. No one was talking about the Bengals midway through the season last year. Everybody was talking about the Bills and the Chiefs in the AFC. But the Bengals, they're a sleeper in the AFC for sure. They, the Bengals definitely have the supporting cast around Burrow to go toe-to-toe with the Chiefs. Remember last year, the Bengals beat the Chiefs in both matchups last year. Bengals beat the Chiefs. I think that was the game that clinched the AFC North for the Bengals at Paul Brown Stadium last year. And then the Bengals beat the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game. So, like I said, I think the Bengals are contenders in the AFC. They're a sleeper. But overall, when I look at the Chiefs in the AFC, I think they are the favorites. I think they are the favorites. They've went to four consecutive AFC Championship games. You, you got to give them their credit. But everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at these guys. No sports. Coming out the break, I'm going to preview the NFC East battle between the Giants and the Cowboys on Thanksgiving Day. I'll be right back. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports here live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody remember going to follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore OH. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. That More Money, More Problems, man, by P. Diddy. 
Biggie, instrumental. Can't go wrong with that. Can't go wrong with that, man. I, I love that. That's one of the best songs of all time. Definitely a classic for sure. Mason Diddy can 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 basically mend fences and be cool again, man. I heard they weren't really getting along. Not, you know, not true, not sure how true it is, but I heard they really weren't getting along, man. They don't see eye to eye, but I hope they can mend fences for sure. But going to preview the NFC East battle on Thanksgiving between the Giants and the Cowboys in Jerry World here shortly. So we're going to have Daniel Jones versus Dak Prescott in primetime. But I may have a caller calling in here shortly, and we're going to talk about some Chiefs. It's, it's my man Steve Wilkes. He's a he, Steve Willis. Steve Willis. He's an insider for the Chiefs. He wants to call in and talk about Patrick Mahomes. So hopefully he'll he'll call in and and y'all can hear his opinion about the Chiefs thirty to twenty seven win over the chargers and hello hey i want to welcome to the show chiefs insider steve willis steve how you doing tonight hey what's happening i'm doing fantastic uh definitely uh getting ready for thanksgiving oh okay that's great that's great so steve let's get right to it we saw on sunday nights patrick mahomes and the kansas city chiefs they did it again against the chargers they beat the chargers 30 to 27 and the Chargers scored a go-ahead touchdown with a little over a minute and 40 left in the game. So, as a Chiefs insider, what was your thoughts when Justin Herbert and the Chargers took a 27-23 to 23 lead over the Chiefs with a little, little over a minute 40 left in the game? What was your thoughts? Well, if you're a Kansas City Chiefs fan, I mean, 13 seconds is obviously all the time you need. Just ask the Buffalo Bills that. Um, but in a minute and a half, you have plenty, plenty of time. Yeah. Uh, if you if you have Patrick Mahomes and that offense, now I I remind you that that offense didn't have Michael Hardman. That offense did not have Juju Smith Schuster. That offense didn't have Kadarius Tony. He was out yeah. at the end of the game uh, with a calf or with a uh, hamstring injury. Yeah. So Patrick Mahomes went down there with Travis Kelsey with Sky Moore, and uh, with basically a rotation of their third, fourth, and fifth wide receivers to produce that that drive in a minute and a half. So that was it was a clinic yeah. that Patrick Mahomes put on as to how you do this with just anybody. And it really it spoke to the genius yeah. of that is Patrick Mahomes' style of play, which he can – throw anybody open i mean with the you know we we all see the highlight plays the no look plays the crazy throw around the linebacker and almost yeah. a curve ball you know stuff like that but the one thing he's really really good at doing is leading those receivers right to where they need to be right then i mean sky Moore put on a clinic uh justin watson an up-and-coming wide receiver uh for the chiefs he's been in the league obviously but but, you know, first couple of years with the Chiefs, and now he is uh, doing amazing coming in for, you know, uh, when they need a big body now that Juju's out. Yeah. Obviously, Travis Kelsey. What can you say about Travis Kelsey? The guy's going to walk out of the Chiefs locker room when he retires and walk right into the Hall of Fame. I mean, right now, and and, and one thing about Travis Kelsey last, last or uh, sun, Sunday night, he actually took uh, from Rob Gronkowski now the title of the most 100-yard games 
for any tight end ever. Yeah. So now that is another record that Travis Kelsey holds. So the guy is just and and he's no no sign of slowing down. The guy is just you know he's grinding every yeah. week just to sum it all up. Really, as far as that drive, I had the utmost confidence that Kansas City was going to go down and score. I agree with you, Steve. I agree. You and all the Chiefs nation believed in Patrick Mahomes in that moment. It's almost as if Patrick Mahomes prefers to have come from behind win, Steve. I mean, we've never seen a quarterback who thrives in situations where he has to come from behind to win football games. I've never seen anything like it. And honestly, I believe when you look at the MVP race, Steve, I love what two is doing with the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins are at the top of the standings in the AFC East. I love what Jalen Hurts is doing in Philadelphia, leading the Eagles to the best record in the NFC. They are at the top of the standings in the NFC East. I believe it is undeniable that Patrick Mahomes is the NFL MVP right now. We got 28 touchdowns, seven interceptions, 3,265 passing yards. He's completed 66% of his passes. I think he's the undisputed NFL MVP through the first 11 weeks of the season, and I don't see it changing anytime soon. To that, you say what? Well, first of all, Patrick Mahomes, uh, I think, pretty much made his final case on Sunday night against the Chargers in their stadium. The Chargers had everything to lose in that game, and the Chiefs knew that even if they would have lost that game, they still had a very good chance of locking up the division. Agreed. So that was Patrick Mahomes' way of putting the foot on the throat of the AFC West and and saying, look, you, you've spent all this money and time trying to beat us, and you're just not going to beat us. The big brother is still going to be the one to, to win out. And, and that really helped kind of ice what I think is going to be a one-horse race now for the MVP the rest of the year. Barring any injuries, it is Patrick Mahomes' uh, MVP to lose. And I, and I absolutely love what Tua is doing this year. Obviously, I've been following the Dolphins a little bit more yeah. than what I normally would because I'm following Tyreek Hill and his adaptation into the Dolphins' offense. And Tua is doing amazing things. They, have, they haven't lost a single game with him under center. You know, yeah. remember that. And uh, Jalen Hurts, I'm, they, you know what? The Eagles are doing fantastic. They are getting a little help with a very, very soft schedule this year. But they're, you still got to go out and win the games. Yeah. So nobody's handing them the victories. They're earning them. So I, I love both of those guys. They're doing amazing things. And, hey, how about that Taylor Heineke kid? In Washington. I mean, he's all he does is win. Yeah. You know, he's, doing he's a great a field, job. Yeah, he's a field goal away from being undefeated. So these guys are doing great. But Patrick Mahomes, head and shoulders above the crowd. No other quarterback in the league right now with a minute and a half on the line and you need a touchdown. Are you going to pick over top of Patrick Mahomes? I agree. I agree. Now, also, Steve. I want to give some give some credit to that Chiefs defense because in this game, the Chiefs defense, they sacked Herbert five times. So we always talk about how elite their offense is led by Patrick Mahomes. I think we got to give some credit to that Chiefs defense 
led by defensive coordinator Steve Spagnola as well. Well, I got to be perfectly honest. This is vintage Steve Spagnolo, and and I say that because every year he has been the Chiefs' defensive coordinator. Their defense starts out quiet. They start out yeah. a little sloppy, but then next thing you know, about halfway through the year, they become a very staunch defense, especially on that front seven. And uh, if you if you think about you know, you think back to the the Super Bowl year 2019 and then 2020, even 2021, the defense picked up as you got into December. The defensive front seven started making all their noise uh, in December, and now they're doing it even earlier. And it, number 95, Chris Jones, is the main reason. The guy is an absolute game wrecker. We, we played two games, the last two games before this Chargers game, uh, Frank Clark was serving a suspension. He didn't even play. Nobody noticed. <laughs> no, and and it's not it's not because Frank Clark is is no good because he's decent. I mean, he's not worth 150 million dollars a year in my opinion, but that's a different conversation. But he's decent. But nobody noticed. Why? Because Chris Jones, Mike Dana, mostly Chris Jones, stepped in, and they just absolutely just they dominated they yeah. dominated offensive lines they've dominated the line of scrimmage and chris jones is is imposing his will on every play so much so that you're starting to hear chatter around the league around number 95 and defensive player of the year all in the same sentence and it very well could happen i honestly don't see i mean there you could make an argument for a few other guys but I don't see too many people impacting a game quite like what uh, Chris Jones is doing it. And he's, I mean, these last couple of games, he's lived up to that moniker of stone cold because he has stopped offenses dead in their tracks. For sure. For sure. A couple more questions for you, Steve, before I let you go. I also thought an X factor in this game that played well was Nick Bolton, the linebacker for the Chiefs. He had 10 tackles. One interception, so he was able to pick off Justin Herbert. I thought he had a great performance. You know, you 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 still got, you know, Legereus Sneed as well. They still got, you know, obviously you got Chris Jones up front. You got Willie Gay at linebacker. And like you said, you got Frank Clark. I believe the Chiefs offensively are the best offense in the NFL. But whatever you get from the Chiefs defense, it's a bonus. Do you kind of agree with that? Like I look at, we know the offense is going to score points. But defensively, whatever the Chiefs are able to do, whether it's forcing three and outs or it's creating turnovers, whatever you can get from that Chiefs defense is an added bonus, and it makes them even scarier as a team as we get into the playoffs. Ever since 2018 and Patrick Mahomes' first full year starting as a Kansas City Chief, we have said the same thing here in Kansas City that if you – give Patrick Mahomes and that offense a mid teens to mid you know mid to late teens defense as far as NFL ranking yeah uh, you you're going to win super bowls and it it worked in 2019 that team that had had a number 17 defense this year that defense is going to be anywhere in the in the, the upper half the top 15 or better and they they just they are the icing on the cake. But one 
bigger chunk of icing this weekend on that cake was Isaiah Pacheco running back for the Kansas City Chiefs who got the start over Clyde Edwards-Alaire who ended up going out with an ankle injury early in that game. But Isaiah Pacheco ran for over 105 yards. I think it was 115 yards, something like that. And he had now the the first 100-yard rushing game for a Kansas City Chiefs offensive player since last year, early last year. Yeah. So now the AFC, everybody in the AFC, just their heads just tipped up and took notice and said, oh, my, Patrick Mahomes has a run game now. Yeah. That, I mean, can you imagine <laughs> defensive coordinators in the NFL sitting down on, on a Wednesday, getting ready to plan for the Kansas City Chiefs? They say, how do we shut down the pass game? Oh, well, that's easy. Let's play a two-shell coverage and send three guys after Patrick Mahomes and just drop eight. Oh, well, that's great, but what about Isaiah Pacheco? Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. You know, what are you going to do now? Because all they got to do, turn around, hand the ball off to Pacheco, and the guy is like a dart. He wears number 10, which is completely ironic because, obviously, Tyreek Hill was so quick, but Pacheco, to watch him move, it's almost like you're watching Tyreek Hill all over again. The guy doesn't have that top end speed, but boy, he can take off. And if he gets to the corner, you, you may as well just kiss him goodbye. Yeah. Because nobody's going to catch him. But uh, but the defense is definitely icing on the cake, but Pacheco is the cherry on top. <laughs> For sure. For sure. Steve, let me get you out of here on this. So week 12, Rams. In Kansas City against the Chiefs, three and seven rounds, eight and two Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs are favored by 14 and a half points. Are you going to take the Chiefs with the spread this week, Steve? You think they're going to be able to cover those those 14 points? We know the Rams are having a, a down year. They are the defending Super Bowl champions, but they're having a down year. You think the Chiefs can can cover that that 14 and a half spread? What you got on the predictions? Well, I mean, the Rams certainly are probably going to go down in history as the worst defending Super Bowl champion uh, ever. Yeah. And so, you know, they're having a just a god-awful season. But that's what happens when you push all your chips in the table and buy all these one-year contracts to go win a Super Bowl. I mean, eventually the piper needs to be paid. And they're paying it with all of those contracts leaving. And now their talent just, you know, is 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 a shell of what it was. And, and as far as the Chiefs go, I hate taking the Chiefs and that many points. Yeah. Because in the past, Kansas City has had this tendency to take their foot off the gas if they have a big lead. I don't think that's going to happen this weekend because Andy Reid knows that in a flash, things can change. Now, the Rams are missing a key component in, in uh, their uh, incredible wide receiver Cooper Cup. Yeah. That is a massive part of that offense. Yes. So if there was any week that the Chiefs could cover the spread, this would definitely be the week. It's supposed to be uh, fifty some degrees in Arrowhead Stadium. Uh, not any kind of weather to be a factor. So uh, you're you're looking at the you know all, all of GEHA Field at Arrowhead Stadium fired up, ready to show the the NFL. That, uh, that that run game is ready to rock and roll. And I, I really think the Chiefs are going to come out and they're going to just just put their, their stamp right on this game. And they're just going to make sure that everybody knows that, uh, that they're, they're coming 
for the rest of the league. He's Steve Willis, Chiefs insider, joining Wise Guys tonight. Steve, let everyone know where they can find you on social media. Actually, it's very easy. Uh, you can find me uh, on Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, uh, and TikTok. That is my biggest following. I've got uh, about 37,000 followers on TikTok. At Social Media Steve on any of those platforms, and you're going to find me. Just so everyone knows, Steve will be joining me to talk Chiefs football throughout the rest of the season and definitely in the offseason. Steve, I appreciate you joining Wise Guys tonight. I definitely appreciate it. Trey, my friend, it has been a pleasure. Yes, sir. That was Steve Willis, Chiefs insider. He will be joining me to discuss everything Chiefs related. So, yeah, I, you know, he expects the Chiefs to take care of business against the Rams this weekend in Kansas City. I expect them to do that as well. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore OH. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys No Sports. I'm Trey Larkins. I'll be right back. I'm going to preview the NFC East battle between the Giants and the Cowboys. I'll be right back. Welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports. Here live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody remember, go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram. These guys know sports. Man, love that classic right there. Rough ends. No more shopping sprees. Love that one right there. That's a definitely a classic. Definitely appreciate Steve Willis for calling into the show tonight and discussing the Kansas City Chiefs' 30-27 to win over the L.A. Chargers. But let's transition to the NFC East. It's a Thanksgiving battle between the New York Giants and the Dallas Cowboys. The Giants coming into the game. They are 7-3, and and the Cowboys are also 7-3. and NFC East battle. It's a game that has major playoff implications in the NFC because it's a great chance that the Eagles are going to win the NFC East. So the Giants and the Cowboys are going to be fighting for one of those two playoff spots in the NFC because the NFC and the AFC, you only you get two wild card spots. Well, three wild card spots. You get three wild card spots. You get you got four division winners. You get three wild card spots. So the Giants and Cowboys are both fighting for one of those three wild card spots. So two seven and three teams on Thanksgiving, the second matchup on Thanksgiving. So typically most people families eat around three o'clock. That's what time my family is going to eat on Thanksgiving. So 
we got the Giants Cowboys in primetime. Daniel Jones versus Dak Prescott. So when I look at this matchup, let's start off with the Giants. The Giants are seven and three. But me personally, I do not believe in the New York Giants. I think they are a f- they're a team that has talent. I like Saquon Barkley and the job that he's done so far this year. You look at Saquon Barkley, he has 213 carries, 953 rushing yards, averaging over four yards per carry, six touchdowns on the season. I like Saquon a lot. I like the way he has played so far this season, and I think he is going to be a candidate for comeback of the year award for sure. Him and Geno Smith are are definitely at the top of the list in that category. And I like their running game, the Giants. They average 157 rushing yards per game, and that's how they win football games. The Giants, they don't have a high-powered offense like the Chiefs, like the Bills, or like the Dolphins. They are a team that has to have an elite rushing attack to be effective. They are similar to the Ravens. The Ravens, we know with Lamar Jackson as their quarterback, who's a playmaker, who's great with the football in his hands. In order for the Ravens to win football games, they have to run the football effectively. It's the same with the Giants. Because you look at their passing offense, their passing offense is ranked 28th in the NFL. They average 177 passing yards per game. So in order for them to win games, they have to run the football with Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley is the most important player for the New York Giants as a football team. You look at Daniel Jones for the season. Daniel Jones, he has nine touchdowns, four interceptions, 1,937 passing yards. He's completing 65% of his passes. I'm not a believer in Daniel Jones. I, I, I think that Daniel, jo- Daniel Jones is an average, at best, quarterback. There are a lot of quarterbacks in the NFC that I'm taking over Daniel Jones. I'm taking Geno Smith over Daniel Jones. I'm taking Jalen Hurts over Daniel Jones. I'm taking Kirk Cousins over Daniel Jones. Dak Prescott, I'm taking over Daniel Jones. So I'm not a believer in Daniel Jones. And this is why I don't believe in the Giants as a contender in the NFC. I don't believe in their quarterback. I do not believe in the Giants quarterback. So I don't believe in the Giants as a contender. Now you look at their receivers. They got Darius Slayton. And on the season, Darius Slayton got 24 receptions, been targeted 38 times, 413 receiving yards, two touchdowns. They got Kenny Galladay at receiver. You got Marcus Johnson, Isaiah Hodgins at tight end. You got Daniel Bellinger. I believe this team needs to try to add Odell Beckham Jr. I think that would help them in the passing game because they're ranked 28th in the NFL, and that's not going to get it done in the playoffs. It's just not. It's not good enough. It's not good enough. Now, I love the Giants' defense. I think their defense is underrated, but on third down percentage, they give up 34% on third down. That's ranked fifth in the NFL. They struggled against the Lions. Last week against the Lions, that Giants' defense wasn't very good. 
but this is a Giants team that beat Aaron Rodgers and the Packers earlier this season. They beat the Tennessee Titans in week one. They held the Titans offense to only 20 points. They beat the Ravens in week six. They held the Ravens to only 20 points. So their, their defense is, is, is nice. I'm not going to say they're great, but they're nice. Now, again, with the Giants, I think their formula to win games is to play elite defense and have Daniel Jones make a few throws in games to win football games. But I don't think that their defense is elite enough to have that type of formula. Like, I don't think it's elite enough. Are they good? Yes, I think they're good, but they're not great. Defensively, they are ranked 17th in total yards given up per game. They give up 360 yards per game. They are ranked 15th against the pass. They give up 212 passing yards per game, and they give up 136 rushing yards per game. That's ranked 25th. So they're not great. They're good. They're not great, and statistically, they're not good at all. So I don't think they have a winning formula because they don't have an elite quarterback and their defense isn't good enough to carry them. Now you look at the Cowboys. Cowboys, I believe, defensively, the Cowboys showed improved against the Vikings that they are one of the best defenses in the NFL. I think Micah Parsons is having a great season. I think he's one of the premier defensive players in the NFL and overall Dan Quinn's unit is one of the best in the NFL the Cowboys they only give up 175 passing yards per game that's ranked first in the NFL they give up 17 points per game that's ranked first in the NFL and they are ranked seventh on third down percentage and they get off the field 35% of the time on third down. This Cowboys defense is elite. They got Micah Parsons. They got Trayvon Diggs as well in their secondary. Also, you got Van Der Esch at linebacker. You got Demarcus Lawrence up front. Anthony Barr is injured, but he's a key piece on their defense. Cowboys defensively are one of the best defenses in the NFL. Easily top 10. Easily top 10. And I think it's going to be a struggle for Daniel Jones to score points in this game. I think if the Cowboys defense can contain Saquon Barkley, I believe the Cowboys will beat the Giants. I'm going to give my prediction here shortly, but I think one of the keys for their defense is going to be make Daniel Jones beat them. If they can force the Giants to have to throw the football and play from behind, that's a recipe for success for the Dallas Cowboys and for them to win this game. Now, offensively for the Cowboys, they were sensational against the, the Vikings. They had over 150 rushing yards. They had over, I believe, over 300 passing yards in that game. So the dynamic duo with Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott is helping this Cowboys rushing attack. And I think that's going to be key for the Cowboys. Run the football with Pollard, with Ezekiel Elliott, and that's going to help them win games. This Giants defense is ranked 25th against the run. 
They give up 136 rushing yards per game. So I think the Cowboys can have some success in the running game. Now, offensively for the Cowboys, they are ranked seventh in total points per game. They average 25 points per game. The passing game is not that good for the Cowboys. They're ranked 22nd. But I think their rushing attack is, is, is definitely going to be important in this matchup. They're ranked eighth in the NFL in total rushing yards per game. So I believe that the Cowboys are a more superior football team than the Giants are. I believe Dak Prescott is significantly better than Daniel Jones is. I believe that the Cowboys' defense is better than the Giants' defense. And I believe the Cowboys are going to take care of business on Thanksgiving on Thursday afternoon in Dallas. I'm going Cowboys 27, Giants 17. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore OH. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys No Sports. Coming out the break, I'm going to discuss Zach Wilson's comments in the immediate aftermath of the Patriots win over the Jets in the AFC East. I'll be right back. Welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports here live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody remember go follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys No Sports. Welcome back to the show. It is Tuesday, November the 22nd, a few days before Thanksgiving. I am in the Thanksgiving mood for sure call to the show 513-203-8655 513-203-8655 what is your favorite thanksgiving dish out mine i would say macaroni and cheese i love my macaroni and cheese my auntie makes the best 
mac and cheese. I, I, I just love my macaroni and cheese. Now I love my turkey. Uh, I do. I'm not a big dressing fan. I'm not a big dressing fan. I really, really ain't. I love mac and cheese. I love yams. You can't go wrong with the yams on Thanksgiving. You can't. But I would say mac and cheese is probably my favorite Thanksgiving dish. Let's transition to an AFC East battle as the New England Patriots beat the New York Jets 10-3 to Sunday afternoon in Foxborough for the Jets. Zach Wilson had a horrible performance. He went 9 of 22. He threw for 77 passing yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. For the Patriots, Mac Jones went 23 of 27. He threw for 246 passing yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. So, as I look at this game, first and foremost, this game was dominated by both the Patriots' defense and the Jets' defense. You look at the numbers in this matchup, the Jets didn't have over 120 yards of total offense. The Patriots, they didn't have over 100 yards rushing. This game was dominated from start to finish by two defenses in the New England Patriots and the New York Jets. Watching this game, I got bored because it's 2022. I'm used to watching Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes score points. I'm used to watching Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert score points. I'm used to watching Joe Burrow and Lamar Jackson score points. Before this year, I was used to seeing Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady score points. It was a snooze fest in Foxborough between the Jets and the Patriots. Now, if you're old school and you love your football back in the 60s and the 70s, you prefer these type of games. But in this new era of football, I love points being scored and quarterbacks putting on great performances. And you didn't have that in this game especially for the New York Jets. And that's what I want to talk about, and it's Zach Wilson. Ladies and gentlemen, Zach Wilson has been pathetic as a New York Jets quarterback this year. For the season, you look at what Zach Wilson has done. He has four touchdowns, five interceptions, 1,279 passing yards. He's completing 56 percent of his passes he has been awful for the New York Jets you look at his ranks this season his completion percentage is 56 percent that's ranked last in the NFL he has 183 passing yards per game that's ranked 31st in the NFL his touchdown interception ratio is four to five that's ranked dead last in the NFL. His passer rating is 72.6. That's ranked 33rd in the NFL. Folks, it's only 32 teams in the NFL. And Zach Wilson 
is ranked dead last in two out of four major categories. The other two major categories, completion percentage and passing yards per game, he's ranked either 34th, 31st or dead last. And this man has the nerve, the audacity, when the reporter asked him, does he believe that the offense let down the defense? Zach Wilson's response was no. Are you kidding me? You were pathetic against the New England Patriots. Zach, I know Zach Wilson is a kid. I know that Zach Wilson is only in his sophomore season in the NFL. But he has been god-awful so far this season for the New York Jets. I look at this Jets team and what they have. I love the Jets' defense. I think the Jets have one of the best defenses in the NFL. But the weakness of this Jets team is their quarterback. And now, because Zach Wilson struggles to take accountability, now Robert Sala, the head coach of the Jets, he has to go to the podium and answer questions about his sophomore quarterback's performances and his comments in post-game press conferences. Robert Sala now has to be accountable for Zach Wilson's inability to be accountable. Boys deflect. Grown men show accountability when they come up short. The New York Jets have a kid at quarterback. He's not a man anymore. And I'm not trying to disrespect Zach Wilson's character or him as a man, because I don't know that man personally. But I believe as a leader of a football team, Zach Wilson has come up short for the New York Jets. There are other young quarterbacks who are open to criticism and can be accountable when their football team comes up short. One thing about Mac Jones I give him credit for, Mac Jones always takes responsibility when his team loses football games. We've seen Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert. We've seen these other young quarterbacks in the NFL go to the podium and take responsibility for when their football team loses games. You're the quarterback. You're going to get all the credit when your team wins games. But you have to also take the blame when your team loses football games. And that's something that Zach Wilson has struggled with. It's something that he struggled with. And he's honestly probably lost that Jets locker, locker room. He lost them. Because if I'm that defense, I am looking at Zach Wilson this week with a side eye. Who the hell do you think you are going to that press conference not taking accountability? The Jets' offense had two yards in the second half. Two yards. And you're going to go to the press conference and say you didn't let your defense down? What the hell are you talking about, Zach? What are you talking about? You've been pathetic. I'm literally watching the press conference in disbelief. 
I'm like, who the hell does this guy think he is? Unbelievable. I think the New York Jets organization and Robert Sala need to really evaluate the quarterback position. And if I am Robert Sala, I am seriously considering benching Zach Wilson for Mike White or Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco was better than Zach Wilson has been. He's, he was better when he was playing. The, the Jets were losing a few games with Flacco, but they won a few. They beat the Browns. They lost to the Bengals. But they, they were performing well with Joe Flacco at quarterback. But they lost this game because of Zach Wilson. And his inability to take accountability is going to be an issue moving forward. Robert Sala has to pull Zach Wilson in his office. And if I'm Robert Sala, I would consider benching Zach Wilson. They were talking on first take this morning, and Keyshawn Johnson was saying that he wouldn't bench Zach Wilson because he doesn't want to lose Zach Wilson. You haven't had Zach Wilson. What are you losing? I love Keyshawn. Keyshawn does a tremendous job on ESPN, and he's forgotten more football than I know. Had a tremendous career in the NFL. Shout out to Keyshawn. But what are you losing if you bitch Zach Wilson? If anything, you're gaining the respect of your locker room because you're sending a message to your young quarterback that deflecting and not take, taking accountability is something that we will not tolerate, especially in this, in this type of game. Three points the entire game. The offense didn't even have 105 yards of offense, two yards in the second half. He should be ashamed and show his face in the city of New York this week. And Zach Wilson's paycheck for week 11 should be revoked. It should be revoked. He should not have received a paycheck for that week 11 performance. It was that bad. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore OH. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Let me sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Coming out the break, I'm going to preview an AFC battle between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Tennessee Titans. I'll be right back.
Welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports. Here live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody remember go and follow the Wise Guys on Twitter at Wise Guys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow the Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Call into the show, 513-203-8655. 513-203-8655. Any particular sports topics you want to debate, talk some NBA. Who's your current NBA MVP in the early part of the season? We, we could talk about it. Don't forget tonight is live right now. We have the Brooklyn Nets against the Philadelphia 76ers in Philly. Give a live update. This is Ben Simmons' first game returning back to Philadelphia. The Sixers are beating the Nets currently right now, 83 to 79. That would be an upset. No NB, no Harden for the Sixers tonight. And the Nets have Durant, Kyrie, and Ben Simmons. So if the Sixers beat the Nets, that is an upset in the city of brotherly love tonight. But let's transition to a matchup in the AFC. It's an AFC showdown in Nashville. We got the 6-4 and four Cincinnati Bengals facing off against the 7-3 and three Tennessee Titans. Joe Burrow versus Ryan Tannehill. This is a matchup that was played in the AFC Divisional Round playoffs last year. The Bengals beat the Titans, and the Titans actually sacked Burrow seven times in that playoff game. But Tannehill threw three interceptions in that game, had one of the worst performances of his career, and the Bengals outlasted the Titans. Now, Bengals are fresh off a win over their AFC North opponent in the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I thought in that game, I thought the Bengals did a great job in the second half taking control of the football game. I thought in the first half, the Steelers, they showed up. They, they showed that heart and that championship DNA because they fought in the first half. The Bengals are the more superior football team, but in the first half, the Steelers, they brought the intensity to the football game, and they set the tone. I thought Kenny Pickett had a great first half, and I thought overall the Steelers outplayed the Bengals in the first half. The Steelers were leading the Bengals at halftime 20-17, to 17, but in the second half, I thought the Bengals took over the football game, and they outscored the Steelers 20-10. to 10. And I thought that T. Higgins had a sensational performance. This, to me, was his best game of his career. Nine receptions, 148 receiving yards. He was sensational in this football game. He was the number one receiver on the field and the best receiver on the football field Sunday in Pittsburgh. If he can play like that, I believe the Bengals definitely are sleepers in the AFC because you know what you're going to get from Jamar Chase. You know what you're going to get from Mr. Reliable and Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd had a great game, too. He had two receptions for 42 receiving yards. So you know Boyd is going to produce in this Bengals offense. But it was all about T. Higgins. I thought he was great. And that was one of our biggest questions. Once Jamar Chase 
went out with the hip injury. How was the Bengals offense going to perform without their star receiver? And I believe that they've done a pretty good job, honestly. Since Jamar Chase has been out, the Bengals have done a good job. Now, they did blow out the, the Panthers. I'm not going to put too much into that game. It's the Panthers. The Panthers are rebuilding. They're tanking for next season. The Bengals, they, they also, you know, they performed well against the Steelers. They beat the Panthers in week nine. They did get beat by the Browns in week eight, but that wasn't because of Jamar Chase being out. That was because their offensive line was terrible. And that game against the Browns, the Bengals offensive line gave up five sacks. So I believe that the Bengals have done a pretty good job in the absence of Jamar Chase. And it's a possibility that Jamar Chase will play in this game. He's been practicing this week here in Cincinnati. So if you add Jamar Chase to this Bengals offense, I believe the Bengals can score a lot of points offensively. We know they got a lot of weapons in T. Higgins, in Tyler Boyd, in Jamar Chase. Joe Mixon hasn't even played well this season, and the Bengals' offense is still performing at a high level. They're top five in a lot of major categories. They average 389 total yards per game. That's ranked fifth in the NFL. They average 271 passing yards per game. That's ranked fourth in the NFL. And they average 27 points per game. That's ranked third in the NFL. So even without Joe Mixon playing at a high level, this Bengals offense is still performing like an elite offense. We know Joe Burrow is one of the best young quarterbacks in the NFL. If they can get something out of the running game with Mixon and Pirine as the season goes along, the Bengals are going to be a tough offense to stop. Good luck to those opposing defenses when they face off against the Bengals offense. They're ranked 28th in the NFL in total rush yards per game. They average 95 rushing yards per game. So if they can improve on their rushing attack, they're going to be literally unstoppable. Now, one player I want to give a lot of credit to as well that I, that I thought stepped up for the Bengals, especially in the passing game, is their backup running back, P. Ryan. P. Ryan had four receptions, 52 receiving yards, three touchdowns. So I thought that P. Ryan did a great job stepping in for the injured Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon left this game with an injury, and I thought P. Ryan did a great job. Three touchdown receptions when Joe Burrow needed him to get open and help in the passing game, P. Ryan did just that. Now, defensively for the Bengals, the Bengals are ranked 13th against the pass. They give up 210 passing yards per game. They're ranked 17th against the run. They give up 117 rushing yards per game. That's going to be key in this matchup because we know that the Tennessee Titans, they got Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry is a top three running back in the NFL. So far this season, Derrick Henry has 230 carries, 1,010 rushing yards, averaging over four yards per carry, 10 touchdowns. Derrick Henry is the straw that stirs the drink for the Tennessee Titans. I know Ryan Tannehill had a great performance against the Packers in Week 11 at Lambeau Field, but make no mistake about it. 
The Tennessee Titans offense runs through Derrick Henry. They have the 11th ranked rushing attack in the NFL. They average 129 rushing yards per game. And it's going to be key for this Bengals defense to try and contain Derrick Henry. They need to force Ryan Tannehill to do what he did against the Packers. Ryan Tannehill was sensational against the Packers in week 11. Ryan Tannehill against the Packers, he went 22 of 27, 333 passing yards, two touchdowns, one interception, quarterback rating of 127. That was one of the best performances of Ryan Tannehill's career. He was sensational in that 27-17 win for the Titans in Week 11. But I think that has to be the Bengals' game plan. Defensive coordinator Lou Adamaral, his game plan needs to be to force Ryan Tannehill to beat them. Because I don't think he can do it two games in a row. I don't think he can do it. You look at the Titans' passing attack. They are the 30th ranked passing attack in the NFL. They average 165 passing yards per game. Now, for the Titans, their receivers are average. They've been getting better as the season has went along. They got Robert Woods at receiver. He's a nice veteran in that locker room. They got Nick Westbrook. Nick Westbrook had a tremendous game against the Broncos in Week 10. Had two touchdowns in that game. They got Traylon Burks at receiver as well. And Traylon Burks actually had a good game against the Packers as well. He had seven receptions, 111 receiving yards. So they've been getting better in that receiving room for the Titans as the season has went along. They, they, they really, really have. Now, defensively for the Titans, we know they got Simmons up front. We know Simmons is one of the premier defensive players in the NFL. The Titans has an entire defense. They are good against the run. They only give up 82 rushing yards per game. That's ranked second in the NFL. But you can throw against the Titans' defense, and that is the Bengals' strength. So the Bengals' strength is the Titans' weakness. The Titans are ranked 30th in the NFL. They give up 267 passing yards per game. So in order for the Titans to have a chance to beat the Bengals, they have to be able to contain the Bengals in the passing game. They got to contain Joe Burrow. So that's going to be key. Who's going to win that battle between the Bengals' passing offense versus the Titans' passing defense? And on the flip side, who's going to win the battle with the Titans' rushing attack and their running game versus the Bengals' rush defense? Those are going to be the two key factors in who wins this game. So with all that being said, I believe that the Bengals have the better quarterback in this matchup with Joe Burrow over Ryan Tannehill. I believe the Bengals have the better supporting cast around Burrow than what the Titans have around Tannehill. I do believe that the Titans have the better coach in Mike Vrabel in comparison to Zach Taylor. But I'm going to roll with the Cincinnati Bengals to beat the Tennessee Titans in Tennessee. I'm going Bengals 24, Titans 21. 
But I do believe these are two teams that will be in the playoffs. Everybody go and follow the Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore OH. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. We're sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys No Sports. Coming out the break, I'm going to give my NFL Week 12 Wise Picks. I'll be right back. Welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports. Here live on the World Wide Sports Network. Everybody remember, go and follow the Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore way. Toss on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow the Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Let's transition to my favorite segment of the day. It is time, ladies and gentlemen, for my NFL Week 12 Wise Picks. In week 11, I went eight and six. So I always have a winning record with my wise picks. Always. It's rare when I have a losing record. What messed me up was the Packers 27 to 17 loss to the Tennessee Titans on Thursday night football. I got off to a rough start. Got off to a rough start. It happens with the best of us. But let's transition to these matchups in the NFL in week 12. Let's go to our Thanksgiving Day games on Thursday while we eat turkey. We got Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills in Detroit against Jared Goff and the Detroit Lions. It's a 12-30 kickoff in Detroit. The over-under for this game is 54 points. The Bills beat the Browns last week in Detroit. They weren't able to play that game in Buffalo because of all the snow. The Bills took care of business against 
the Browns. They took the visitors' locker room last week because they were the home team against the Browns. They took the visiting locker room so they could have the same locker room for this matchup against the Lions. They're going to be staying in the same hotel leading up to the game in Detroit. So Sean McDermott's group is trying to keep the same routine as they play in Detroit for the second consecutive week. I believe that the Bills are in a tight playoff race in the AFC. They cannot afford to lose games against the Lions if they want to be a playoff team. I expect Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills to take care of business. I'm going Bills 31, Lions 24. I do believe that the Lions will keep this game close, but I think it's going to be a high-scoring affair in Detroit. I'm going Bills 31, Lions 24. Patriots at Vikings. The Patriots beat the Jets last week on a game-winning punt return for a touchdown. Patriots are a wild-card team in the AFC. The Vikings got beat down by the Dallas Cowboys, 40-3 to in Minnesota. I believe the fact that the Vikings have a quick turnaround will help the Minnesota Vikings. I expect the Vikings to take care of business in Minnesota at home against the Patriots. I'm going Vikings 24, Patriots 17. I do believe that the Patriots will keep this game close. Broncos. Favored by two and a half points in Carolina against Baker Mayfield and the Panthers. It's a one o'clock kickoff in Carolina. The over-under for this game is 35 and a half points. This is my upset of the week, but I don't honestly believe that it's an upset because the Broncos are not very good. I don't believe Nathaniel Hackett can coach. I'm expecting the Panthers to upset the, the Broncos. In Carolina, I'm going Panthers 20, Broncos 17. But it's not much of an upset because the Broncos have underachieved this season. The Atlanta Falcons are in Washington to take on the Commanders. The Commanders are favored by three and a half points. It's a one o'clock kickoff in Washington. The over-under for this game is 43 points. I love the way that Taylor Heineke has the Commanders playing right now. The Commanders are a sleeper in the NFC. They can possibly creep up into that wild card range in the NFC and possibly be a playoff team. I love Ron Rivera as a head coach for this football team. I don't believe in the Falcons very much. So I'm going to roll with the Commanders to take care of business at home against the Falcons. I'm going Commanders 23 Falcons, 16. Texans at Dolphins. The Dolphins are favored by 12 points. It's a 1 o'clock kickoff in Miami. The over-under for this game is 46. The Dolphins are a more complete football team than the Texans are. The Texans are not very good. So I'm not going to spend too much time on this game. I'm going Dolphins, 31 Texans 14, Dolphins blow out the Texans in South Beach. Bears at Jets. The Jets are favored by six points in this game. It's a one o'clock kickoff in New York. The over-under for this game is 41 and a half points. I believe that 
the Jets take care of business against the Bears. As bad as I want to pick the Bears to win this game, I actually think that Justin Fields is dealing with an injury right now. I think he's day-to-day. But if he plays, I don't think Justin Fields has enough to put up points against the Jets' elite defense. I'm going to roll with the Jets to beat the Bears in New York. I'm going Jets 17, Bears 10. I think it's going to be low scoring, but I don't expect Zach Wilson to put up points. So I'm going Jets 17, Bears 10. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are in Cleveland, and they're favored by three points. It's a 1 o'clock kickoff. The over-under for this game is 43 and a half. This is the Browns' last game without Deshaun Watson, but they are out of the playoff race in the AFC, and I believe there are some players on that Browns team that's going to start thinking about their vacations that they're going to plan for the offseason and how much time they're going to spend with their families. They're probably going to see some players start to check out because the Browns are not going to be a playoff team in the AFC. It's unfortunate because I believe they are a playoff team with Deshaun Watson, but given the fact that he's been suspended for the first 12 games of the season, I don't believe that they are a playoff team in the AFC, and it's been showing. I think Tom Brady and the Buccaneers are going to take care of business in Cleveland. I'll go Bucks 24, Browns 17. Ravens are favored by four points in Jacksonville against Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars. It's a 1 o'clock kickoff in Jacksonville. The over-under for this game is 45.5 points. Ravens are a more complete football team. Lamar Jackson is better than Trevor Lawrence is. I expect the Ravens to take care of business in Jacksonville. I'm going Ravens 27, Jacksonville 23. I think the Jazz keep it close, but I got the Ravens outlasting the Jaguars. Chargers, three and a half point favorites in Arizona to take on the Cardinals. It's a 4.05 kickoff. The over-under for this game is 47 and a half points. I'm not sure about the availability of Kyler Murray in this game. It ain't going to matter to me, though, because I'm going to pick Justin Herbert and the Chargers to have a bounce-back performance against the Cardinals. I'm going Chargers, 31, Cardinals, 17. The Raiders, they got a win last week in Denver. They are in Seattle to take on Geno Smith and the Seattle Seahawks. The Seahawks are favored by three and a half points. The over-under for this game is 47 and a half points. The Seahawks are a more complete football team than the Raiders are. Pete Carroll is a better coach than Josh McDaniels is. And Geno Smith is having a better season than Derek Carr is. I love Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams proved that he is still a top 10 receiver in the NFL. He had a great performance last week against the Broncos. But I think the Seahawks are going to take care of business in Seattle. I'm going Seahawks 23, Raiders 17. The Saints are in the Bay to take on the 49ers. The 49ers are favored by eight and a half points. It's a 425 kickoff in San Fran. The over-under for this game is 41 and a half points. The Saints are having a down year. They have underachieved so far this season. Jameis Winston has been injured all season long. I believe that the 49ers 
take care of business against the Saints. I'm going to go 49ers, 27, Saints, 17. Rams are in Kansas City to take on Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. The Chiefs are favored by 14 points. It's the biggest spread in week 12. It's a 425 kickoff. The over-under for this game is 44 points. The Chiefs are more complete football team than the Rams are. I believe that the Chiefs take care of business against the Rams. It's a possibility that Matthew Stafford may not play in this game. Cooper Cup is already out in this game. So I'm going to roll with the Chiefs to blow out the Rams. I'm going Chiefs 35, Rams 17. So I expect the Chiefs to cover the spread, and I expect them to take care of business against the Rams. The Green Bay Packers are in the city of brotherly love to take on Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles are favored by six and a half points. It's an 820 kickoff in Philly. The over-under for this matchup is 45 and a half points. I know my man Gilly and Wallow will be in attendance more than likely. They're going to be, be supporting their Philadelphia Eagles. We know Gilly. Gilly the Kid is a big-time Philadelphia Eagles fan. I expect the Eagles to take care of business against the Packers. I think that the Eagles are the more superior football team, but I do expect Aaron Rodgers to have a better performance in Week 12 than he did in Week 11. I'm going to go Eagles 28, Packers 21. Monday night matchup in Indianapolis. We got the Steelers at the Colts. The Colts are favored by two and a half points. It's an 8-15 kickoff in Indianapolis. The over-under for this game is 39 and a half points. These are two football teams that have underachieved so far this season. The Colts are at home, so I think that they take care of business against the Steelers. I'm going to go Matt Ryan 24-20. So I think the game will be close. But I'm going to roll with the Colts to beat the Steelers in Indy in Week 12. Ladies and gentlemen, those are my Week 12 Wise Picks. Everybody, remember going to follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore OH. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Happy Thanksgiving to everyone out there. Enjoy all the turkey on Thursday. Enjoy Black Friday. People are going to be out shopping for Black Friday all around the country. I am Trey Larkins signing off of the Worldwide Sports Network. Have a great weekend. Listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.